Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Isaiah. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word of the Lord. A gospel reading from the first chapter of Mark. As soon, as soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, They brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you, my friends in Christ. You ever watch a football game and you start thinking about ordering a pizza? Maybe it was right after a commercial showing that gooey cheese like stringing off and you're like, you know, I really think it's time to order a pizza. Maybe during the next big game next Sunday, you'll notice how much the advertisers are trying to get your attention. They're willing to spend millions of dollars believing that you are paying attention and are going to be drawn to their products. We get inundated with information and advertising 
and marketing. It's on our phones. It's when we turn on the radio or TV. It's even when we drive down the road and we see billboards that tell us specific messages. Not long after the October 7th attack by Hamas in Gaza, I noticed, and I'm sure you did too, you noticed this billboard as you would drive down to St. Paul. It was bright pink. You couldn't miss it. Definitely got my attention and made me think. You know, from the Jewish community, this was a bold declaration reminding all of us everywhere that terrorism, especially from uh, groups like Hamas, uh, affects you and it affects me, that it's our problem too. And so as I continue to think about and lift up my friend Joel, who's a rabbi up in New York, uh, he continues to pray for Omar and his family, who was captured that day and is still a hostage. And so I know that this is affecting us. It's affecting our world. But I also noticed a few weeks later that not far from that pink billboard, there was a reminder that in the aftermath of the Hamas attacks, that there was a response by the Palestinians who they were saying, look, we're getting wiped away and innocent lives are being uh, killed. And so right next to this billboard was one looking like this. Palestinian mothers deserve to live. And maybe you've seen that one or the Palestinian fathers deserve to live. Mothers praying for peace and for the safety of their families. And it's really hard to argue with that message, with that plea. And you look at the two of those next to each other and as a Christian, you might be thinking, well, what are we to do? Should we be swayed by a billboard? Who's right? Is it possible that both statements can be true? Furthermore, how many people saw those messages and decided, well, maybe I should read up a little bit more and figure out what's going on? Or I should watch something on the news, or I should learn about this to become a little bit more educated on what is happening in Gaza? Conversely, how many people just drove right on by, without giving either message a second thought. I wonder, how are we able to hear a message that calls us to love our neighbor, even when our neighbors are at war with each other? It's not easy, is it? It's definitely not easy if we feel like we're in a culture where we always have to take a side. It's not easy when we feel dumb for not fully understanding what's going on. It's not easy when we can't understand why two groups of people can hate each other so much. And the type of conflict that's happening in this part of the world has been happening for a long time. It's been happening long before Jesus ever walked this earth. And so Jesus walked the earth in the midst of this type of conflict. As Jesus was beginning his ministry, not only were there divisions within the empire, there were divisions within his own Jewish people. The haves and the have-nots have not always Uh, been able to see eye to eye. And that was the case for Jesus. His reputation of healing and casting out demons was starting to spread. And there were some people who did not want to hear anything about that. It was spreading so fast that even as Jesus wakes up early in the morning just to have some quiet time to go off and pray, his disciples go seek him out. You know, Earlier in chapter 1 of Mark, they said, we will follow you after he immediately calls them. Immediately. They, there's no time to waste. Jesus, we got to get out there. We got to go out and see more. We got to witness what you're going to do. We want to hear more. We want to see more lives changed because of this teacher who is preaching with authority. 
You know, if it were up to the disciples, there would have been a giant marketing campaign with great giant billboards declaring this message for all to hear. The people who were healed by Jesus, they wanted to shout the message from the rooftop. Hey, everyone, listen to this guy. And you would think that Jesus would want that. But instead, he's got a really odd reaction. He tells the demons, no less, to be silent because they know who he is. He's the Messiah and they know it. And then when he heals a man who has a skin disease, he's not only made clean, but now he's able to re-enter into the community. Yet, as Jesus is telling him when he goes back to re-enter the community, he tells him, hey, be quiet. Don't tell anybody about me. No fanfare, no no publicity. Try to keep this a secret if you could. He says, you know what? Just go tell the priest that you've been made clean again because of what Moses has commanded. Yeah, right. This guy does not do that. So the man who's been healed went out and he began to proclaim it. He began his healing freely and he starts to spread the news. And by doing this, everybody starts to hear about Jesus so that Jesus could no longer go out into uh, a town openly, but he had to stay out in the countryside so that people could come to him from every quarter. In Mark's gospel, time and time and time again, Jesus wants those who are witnessing his messianic actions to keep, it to keep it to yourself. Don't tell anybody. And we might wonder why. And it might have something to do with his presence and not wanting to draw people in because he's like this local celebrity, but that he actually truly engages within these relationships of the people that he comes across. He sees people and then he responds and he comes alongside people who are suffering and provides another path. We heard that during the children's message today, right? When's a great time to read your Bible? When things aren't going great or when you're struggling. Jesus offers grace and hope when others might be feeling stuck within rigid expectations or maybe afraid to challenge the norms of the day. And it's not always easy to find grace these days, is it? Have you ever felt like someone was quick to judge you? Have you ever felt dismissed without being heard? Did you ever feel like you weren't seen by someone, that they just walked by and didn't even acknowledge you? Or maybe you felt isolated just because of some unique part of your identity. Musician Daryl Davis has felt that way. In fact, he has made it his life mission to break through barriers and offer grace when a person judges him. And he offers grace to that person even though They probably don't deserve it. How did this happen? Well, it began at a very young age, and this is Daryl's story. I was born in Chicago in 1958. At the age of 10 in 1968, my parents had moved to Belmont, Massachusetts, a suburb of Boston. I was one of two black kids in the entire area, at least in the school. I joined the Cub Scouts at the age of 10, at the invitation of some of my white male friends. And we had a march from Lexington to Concord to commemorate the ride of Paul Revere. My den mother let me carry the American flag. And as I was marching as the only black scout in this parade, along with the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, and Brownies, I think 4-H Club was there and some other organizations, as I was marching down the street, somewhere along the parade route, I began getting hit 
with bottles, soda pop cans, rocks, and debris from the street by just a small group of white spectators mixed in with the all-white crowd on the sidewalk. This was the first time I ever experienced anything like this, and I did not understand. I thought perhaps those people did not like the scouts. I did not realize I was the only scout getting hit until my den mother and the other scout leaders came rushing over and huddled over me with their bodies and escorted me out of the danger. They never explained why, even though I kept asking, why are they hitting me? Why are they hitting me? What had I, what had I done wrong? When I got home, my mother and father, who were not at the march, were fixing me up with mercurochrome and band-aids and asking me, how did you fall down and get all scraped up? I told them I didn't fall down. I told them exactly what happened. For the first time in my life, my parents sat me down at the age of 10 and explained racism to me. I had absolutely no idea what they were talking about. It was inconceivable to me that someone who had never laid eyes on me, never spoken to me, knew absolutely nothing about me, would want to inflict pain upon me for no other reason than this, the color of my skin. So I did not believe my parents. But more and more incidents began happening. And I realized my parents had told me the truth. I didn't know why people felt that way, but I realized that there were some people who did. So at the age of 10, I formed a question in my mind. That question was, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? Great question. So you want to know what he did? He grew up. And as he tells us, he's a musician. And so a man comes up to him when he's playing at a gig. And he's playing piano. And this man is just blown away at how talented Daryl is. And so after Daryl is done playing, this man invites him over to his table, and the two of them just hit it off. But as they're talking and as they're, they're sharing stories and they're talking about great music, the man admits something to Daryl. He said, Daryl, this is the first time I have ever talked to a black man. He told Daryl about some of the stereotypes he had and how surprised he was that Daryl hadn't lived up to any of those negative fears or expectations. In fact, he just couldn't get over how talented Daryl was. Then came a bombshell. The man who had approached Daryl and admitted uh, that he'd never met a black man also said, and Daryl, I'm a member of the KKK. Deal breaker, right? Daryl, run away, go away. But he stayed there and he sat with him. And they became friends. And as this relationship cultivated and developed and they were able to be able to see each other as humans, the man actually gave his hood and his robe to Daryl. And Daryl says that if we choose to engage with people because of their stereotypes or prejudice, we give up on opening their minds. And because he's had an open mind, he has helped over 200 members of the KKK or other hate groups to rethink their beliefs and quit. Daryl said, I didn't convert anybody. I just gave them a reason to think about their direction in life, and they thought I needed a better path, and perhaps this is the way to go. How can you hate me if you don't know me? 
Do you think Jesus had encounters with people who hated him without knowing him? How do we apply this to our lives? How might we respond in a complex world where we often don't necessarily give each other the benefit of the doubt? How can we show grace to someone that we disagree with this week? How can we treat others or how will we treat others when our first response to someone might give us pause? Some of the things that we are encouraging you to do for us to do here at Faith, if, as we just look at some of the opportunities to be able to live out our faith, is one, we're donating coats. This is great. You know, oftentimes there's a call, hey, we, we're, we're collecting coats. But if you look a little closer, we're asking you to, don- to donate coats for inmates who've been released from local jails, who are released and don't have a coat. That might be a bit unsettling. We're asking you to bring food to donate to the local food shelf for neighbors in our community that are hungry. We're providing cleaning supplies, kitchen tables, and kitchen chairs for refugee families who are resettling into the Twin Cities, who are finally sheltered following a tumultuous journey to be able to find safety and security. This might be a bit unsettling to us. We might have questions. Why were they imprisoned? Why is that person hungry? Why couldn't that person stay in their own country? And so maybe, just maybe, we need to be reminded of an important message. You know, love is a very important way for us to remove fear. Love is an important way for us to remove prejudice from our own hearts. Love is a way for us to see Christ not only at work in others, but also in ourselves. You know, through Christ, we are known. We are loved. My prayer for us is that that message may be received and that we can share that message with abundance. Amen. Thank you.